What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, October 31st. I am back. I am back feeling like myself. You guys are listening to episode, what is this, 422. And uh, this is a Halloween edition TVE. Uh, good day for it, too. It's a little... It's cold, wet, little, uh, I don't know, spooky out there. <laughs> I wish I had like sound effects. Like if I had like all the kinds of producers, I had all that weird shit uh, going on. But um, yeah, the kids showed up to school in their costumes um, and I'm, I'm feeling better, man. It was a rough, I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know. I was talking to my wife about this saying like, if I knew what I was in for for that week, would I go back and do it? And uh, I don't know. I probably would have just because I'm a, you know, I'm a glutton for pain and misery. No, I don't know. It was um, a little more than I thought. I remember saying to the doctor, hey, doc, be honest with me, like, how many days of misery? And he's like, one or two, but not really misery. And I got to be honest, it was, it was more than one or two, but it wasn't full misery, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, um, so if you guys don't know, I had what they call... uh, a septoplasty. Um, so I guess for like the last few years, uh, I would always have these, um, what's it called? By the way, welcome back. Thank you guys so much for, for listening. Uh, 422, all that other stuff. Um, what did uh, Dave Chappelle say? Yada, yada, yada. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, I got that out of the way. And I just wanted to uh, to let you guys know exactly what I went through. And uh, yeah, I have an unacceptable that I think will uh, will suffice for this week. So uh, sit back and relax. The uh, septoplasty is basically to fix... So in the middle of your nose, there's basically a, a bone and what they call a septum, which just makes the, the, the middle of your nose straight. <clears throat> and you get nice, obviously oxygen passage through your nostrils. So I would keep going to the doctor and they would just go, oh, Paul, you got sinusitis again. Oh, you got sinusitis again. And I kept getting these sinus infections and I'm like, I'm fine. I don't have sinusitis. Because when I looked up symptoms for sinusitis, it was miserable and I didn't have them. No, no, you got it. You're all blocked up up there. You're all blocked up on the left side. You're all blocked up on the left side. So finally, I'm going like, why is this side of my throat hurt? Why is this side of my throat? They're saying it's always, you know, uh, <clears throat> sinusitis. Why, why is that? I don't feel that. So finally I went to an ENT. I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor and the guy goes, your septum and something is blocking the left side of your, you're not getting air. You're getting like 10% air into your left nostril. You're just not breathing right. And, um, you are a candidate for somebody to fix the deviated septum. Um, also, when I was in high school, I had a bad break and I like literally shattered the top of my nose playing football. Like the bone was almost coming out. Like it was as bad as it could be and it was repaired. And apparently with all the scarred tissue and there was a bone to the left, which was also taking part in this. So they need to go in there and they need to clear all this shit out. They need to clear out the scarred tissue, the bone, straighten everything. But, you know, I'm in show business. So I was like, listen, man, like I can't come out looking like fucking... You know, like, is my nose going to be straight? You know, I don't want to, like, I don't know. You go under the knife and they have to start fixing bones and shit in your face. 
I was like, I don't want to have a crooked nose. I don't want this and that. Like, I want to make sure that it's like, no, no, this has nothing to do with the outside. You know, you'll have swelling for a few days, but that'll go down. Um, it's not going to affect. We try everything we can to not affect. And I was like, try everything you can. I was like, listen, dude, if I come out of here and I look like a boxer, you know, who's been fighting for 35 years and my nose is all over the place, like that's not going to work. So I'll either deal with not breathing right or we're going to fix this shit. And he was like, no, no, Paul, I think we can do this, blah, blah, blah. You're going to feel so much better. So, you know, basically they go in, they clear out the scar tissue, they clear out the bone, they straighten everything out, and both passages of your nostrils are clear and you're breathing better. And, like, I would, like, be on stage and get out of breath because I wasn't breathing properly, and obviously I don't want that to, to happen. So... I decided to do this. I decided to do this surgery, and two doctors were like, "Wow, that's a really bad deviation." So I did it. But um, here's what sucks about the surgery: you go in, and they tell you, <laughs> and this is nuts. To think about this is actually nuts, and could get you like gets me like claustrophobic and scared. Is they'll be like, "Look, when you wake up in the recovery room, like you're going under general anesthesia. You're going down. They're putting you the fuck down, okay? And when you wake up," you're not going to be able to breathe through your nose at all. There's going to be a splint in there, and then there's going to be foam packing all the way up, holding everything together, and that's not going to come out for at least like 24 hours or whatever. So when you start to come out of this, Paul, you gotta, you're going to be reminded, like, breathe through your mouth, breathe through your mouth, but some people panic. So I'm going, oh, great. That's a great fucking thing to go into surgery for. So I'm not going to lie. I've had major surgery. I had surgery down my, my stomach. There was an infection near my appendix. When they took my appendix out, they had to, it was brutal. Um, you know, I've been put down for a couple of things, but this one, like the night before I was telling my wife, I go, I'm kind of, this one I'm not really thrilled about. And I show up and my wife had to come with me and drive because, you know, you can't drive or anything. I couldn't eat obviously like the midnight before and all that stuff. So I go in there and my wife's in the waiting room and my wife's like, she's busy at work. So she's got like, she's literally in the waiting room of this doctor's office with like a full on office. It was fucking hilarious. She had her laptop out on a table. She had, I mean, she was probably doing conference calls with, you know, these people that are about to go into surgery. And, um, I go in and, you know, I put the gown on and the socks and the fucking thing for my head. Uh, even though I don't have hair, they put that stupid looking thing on my head. And I'm sitting there, and the nurse comes in, and she's talking to me. She goes, okay, so what are we doing for you today? And I was going, um, oh, I'm going to get my, like, so she goes, oh, septoplasty. And then she looks at me, and here's my unacceptable for the week. She looks at me and goes, and I kid you not. She goes, oh, oh, that's going to be a rough few days, but it'll be worth it. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, bitch, I got to, what? I got to go under the knife right now in a very vulnerable place on my face. And I know and now and I know I already know that I'm going to wake up not being able to breathe through my nose. So I got to breathe just through my mouth. It's going to be really uncomfortable. And I got nurses looking at a clipboard going, "Oh boy, this these next few days are going to suck, but it'll be worth it, Paul." I'm like, "Oh, thanks. I'm really glad." So now my anxiety level because all I'm thinking about is when you wake up, try to remember. She's like, oh, Paul, you're not going to remember any of this anyway. You're not going to remember any of this conversation anyway. That's what she said. She goes, you're going to come up. You're not even going to really remember how you got here and all that. And I'm like, I don't think you understand me, lady. I remember everything. I'm going to remember. Which I did, by the way. 
I woke up. I remembered conversations I had before. I was probably out for like an hour and a half. I remembered a lot. I mean, some stuff was cloudy, but I remembered. And um, I go in there, and this anesthesiologist was really nice. And uh, I'm I'm sitting. I'm of course I'm getting a phone call during this. Why wouldn't I be? Um, hold on, I gotta take this. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. Um, all right, so, uh, so I'm going in, and the anesthesiologist was was super nice. And um, but now like my anxiety levels go from like make sure you breathe through your thing to like oh man this is gonna be a really shitty kind of recovery. So. I'm laying there and I go on the I go on the thing and they're like, all right, you're going to go into like a cold room. And I've been there before, but this room was like eerily cold. Like this room was like, I don't know. The whole thing, I just was very uneasy when normally I'm like, no, you know, because if you wake up and you're like, oh, your knee's going to hurt. But it's your knee. You take pain meds. It's your knee. You can talk. Once you come to, you're fine. You know, this was on my face, man. This was on my nose, my breathing. I knew that there was going to be pain. And um, and I just was kind of uneasy. So she was like, listen, you know, lay down. You're going to feel good. I put the IV in and a drip starts going in. And she's like this. And she's talking to me about being a comedian. She's like, oh, you're a comedian. Oh, it's so great. Oh, we got to look you up and this and that. And she was really super nice. And uh, she goes, you're a little anxious. And like I was. And it, this is what really sucked about this surgery. And, um, it sucks to have to say it. I wanted to be like, oh, everything was great. But what sucked about it was as I'm going to sleep and you start to feel it, you know, when you go under anesthesia, you start to feel, it feels really good for like, like less than 10 seconds. Like you, it's probably like four to six seconds and then you're done and you just start to like, everything kind of vibrates and shakes and you feel good. And then the next thing you know, you wake up in the recovery room with people saying, oh, you're okay. You're fine. You're done. Blah, blah, blah. But as I was going through that, I'm going, all right, breathe through your mouth. All right, it's going to suck for a few days, but you'll get through it. Like, that's what really sucked. And then I woke up and I remember just kind of, you know, feeling all tight in the face. And uh, But I was on pain meds, so I knew, like, I wasn't really going to feel it from when I woke up. And then, you know, my wife was in there and um, and we go home. And I got to tell you, those first couple of days, I almost threw up from the anesthesia. And it's so crazy when you're in the hospital. I was supposed to be out of the hospital in two hours. My surgery was in the morning. I didn't get out of the hospital until almost four, five o'clock at night. I was just, you know, the recovery was like, it was definitely more difficult than I thought. Um, and then you wait a few days. And then like 30 hours later, I went to get the major packing out and he took it out. And I remember being able to breathe really good, especially out of the side that wasn't working properly. Um, hold on. And uh, so I'm sitting there and it was funny because like the, the right side, the side that's good, that side was kind of really like stuffed up and not great when it came out. And I guess he had to do some work on that side to make the left side. I don't know. You know, I'm obviously not a, do- <laughs> obviously not a, not a doctor. Paging Dr. Verzi. Wouldn't that be great? How hilarious would that be if you just saw me coming down the hallway into the operating room with scrubs on going, all right, Mr. Smith, we're going to do some open heart surgery. He would be like, fuck that. Get that guy out of here. Um, but uh, 
He goes, man, you're hysterical. I'm not even joking. He said this to me because, you know, he knew I was a comedian or whatever. He goes, man, you're hysterical. You're funny, man. We were watching your stuff. Me and the anesthesiologist, some really good stuff. She goes, well, a couple of times, you know, some of the dirty stuff, you know, she's really into like super, super clean and she's got like a young daughter and everything. He's like, but I thought it was hilarious. And I'm going like, all right, <laughs> how am I supposed to take that? You know, so now I got, I got some anesthesiologist who like either thinks I'm filthy. I don't know. I don't care. But um, it was, it was you know, an adventure to just, just laying in bed, feeling like shit, not able to get up. Um, and for four or five days, it felt like a baseball hit me in the middle of my face from like Justin Verlander. Just a, it was just nonstop pain and shitty, not to mention you have to sleep sitting up, not able to breathe out of your nose. So imagine sleeping in a recliner chair for a week. I mean, it's been rough and I haven't been on stage. So that's getting me crazy. Luckily I did a bunch of shows before this surgery and I felt really good about it. And I wrote down the set. So I kind of know, um, where I'm going and all that stuff. So anyway, that, that's what happened there. Um, surgery is good. I feel better. Hopefully over the next week or two, as I continue to heal, it gets even better and better. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, and if not, I'm suing, damn it. But I'm home. going to go trick or treating in the rain with my kids. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it's one of those things where my wife is like, so we could go to this neighborhood with those friends, or we could go to this neighborhood with that. And I'm thinking to myself, or... We could stay in our fucking neighborhood. <laughs> we could knock on the doors around here, get all that unhealthy shit, which I'm going to be trying to sneak, which isn't good. Oh, by the way, I was having a toothache during my recovery. So now I don't know if I was getting like, I was like, if I need a root canal. Could you imagine? I didn't know if my toothache was going to get down to my root. And I'm going, oh my God, dude, I may need a root canal while recovering from surgery and I can't open my mouth. So like, I'm just going to be on pain meds. Like, am I going to make it people? Am I, that, this is the shit that's been going on. Okay. Take me back to that damn wedding I was at. Speaking of weddings, I'm going to another wedding this weekend on the second, uh, a wedding of one of my, uh, famous friends who I, uh, I cannot mention, but this wedding is a weekend. Okay. This wedding is show up on Friday for activities Okay, this, I'm not even kidding. Show up on a Friday, show up for activities on Friday. We're getting married on Wednesday. I mean, we're getting married on uh, Saturday. So that's, that's the other thing that, that's happening. And the worst thing that could happen, okay, when you are married to a responsible woman like I am, when you are married to an absolute general like I am, and I mean that with all love, my wife runs shit. Okay. My wife is, I mean, if it wasn't for my wife, I don't like, I don't even know if my car payments were like, I just, I just, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nate Borgazzi, hilarious comic. He's got this one bit, which I love where he's like, dude, if it wasn't for my wife paying the bills, I just don't know how to do it. Like my wife is, it's just so, it's so true. And it's the same with me. My wife just does like, I'll give my wife money. Or, you know, if, if I get a check or whatever here, what, like, but she knows every, I know nothing. I know nothing about what happens. Like, I just need, I just need people in my life like, like that. 
Yeah, like I'm going to be the biggest pain in the ass. If I'm ever an old man in a home, I'm just going to be the biggest pain. Well, Stacy would do this and they would be like, sir, you're just walking to the bathroom. Okay, so let's get let's get this shit going here. But um, no, so my wife now being the responsible woman that she is when she hears a wedding with activities, Paul, can you find out how I need to dress? Can you find out what clothes I need to wear? Paul, um, are we going to be staying close to the site, off the site? What are we going to, you know what, I'll book it. And I'm just going, I'm looking at her going, please, for the love of God, okay? For the love of the sweet Lord, can you please understand that I don't know how to dress, okay? I'm going to have a, I, you know what? Pack me a tux, a fucking suit, sweatpants. Just pack everything like we're going to France for four months and we'll have it. Because the last thing I want to do is get an evil eye from you. You ever go to a nice event and get an evil eye from your significant other? Like early in the event? That makes for a real shitty night, okay? And then you hear them at the table talking about you like you're a child that doesn't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, you know, I told them, like, what are we going to wear? And of course, now I don't have this and I don't have that. Like, I don't want that. So just get a bag, throw it in the car, and anything we need, we have. We're going to get a hotel room, throw boots, shoes. I'm not going to be responsible for this. I don't know what activities means. Okay? I've never went to somewhere where they were like, oh, we're going to show up and we're going to do activities 24 hours before. The only time I've heard activities is when I was in fucking like seventh grade and it, it, it was, you know, after <laughs> after the cafeteria at lunchtime. I don't know what activities means for grown adults dressed nice. Uh, are we going to play darts? I mean, it's probably going to be epic. It's going to be amazing. And knowing the guy that I know who's getting married, who's the absolute best, it's going to be insanity. But... You know, I've never heard of, oh, we're doing a weekend wedding and um, bring clothes for activities. They're even doing like a haunted forest. I'm not even shit. I shit you people not. Okay. I was told that if you choose so, if you want to, you can, you can go through this forest with whoever, a group of friends, a group of people at the wedding, your significant other, and people with like chainsaws and axes and masks are going to run out and run after you during this. Like that's what I was, um, I mean that is, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, that's gangster, but at the same time it's like, all right, dude, like <laughs> is, there, is there like, you know, I'm Italian, so for me food is always, I'm like, is there like a cocktail hour during the forest thing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you hold on, buddy, because you're clearly not going to kill him with that chainsaw. Is there a shrimp cart around here where I cocktail sauce a little bit? <laughs> How great would that be? You just hear like, vroom, vroom. guys like, oh, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, hold on, dude, I got to go to the bar real quick. Just hold that thought for a second. I got to get, I got to get, I got to get my uh, martini, my skinny martini or whatever they want to call it. Um, But it should be cool. It should be cool. It's just my, you know, my wife. Did you, like, it's my wife. There's just text messages. You need this. We need this. You got to go to the grocery store. You got to get this. Did you talk to your mother about this? Did you get this? Did you? Get, it's, it's almost like, and I'm a comedian, so I have a manager. I have an agent. I have a, a wife. I, it's like, it's just, there's just so many things to do. And I just go, can I just get a stage and a microphone? Can I just, can I... Can I just tell jokes? I just can I just make fun of somebody from Jersey for a couple minutes just to get back, you know, back to normal. 
And as you guys can tell, I have a little cabin fever for the stage. I'm dying up here for the stage. I just, I got to heal. Um, I got a bunch, a ton of stuff coming up in November. I got to heal for a while, but um, I'm getting the itch, man. I'm really getting the itch to get back up there, get back up on that horse. Uh, what else is going on, guys? The World Series is over. Thank God. Um, you know, and I'm so glad the Washington Nationals beat the Astros. Not because the Astros beat the Yankees. Well, kind of because the Astros beat the Yankees, but just because the Astros manager, A.J. Hintz, he's a little smug guy. You know, a home run got hit at Yankee Stadium, and he's like, oh, man, it's kind of annoying. Only this ballpark, that would be a home. It's like, you know what? There's a lot of other ballparks with short right fields, Dick. We got a home run against you. Stop being a smug asshole. You know, he just had that thing. So watching him seething and, and watching him lose and go off and watching them just sit around, it, it was fantastic, especially for a bunch of knock-around guys like on the Washington Nationals. I loved every minute of it. I thought it was fantastic. And uh, good for them. The best was watching Zimmerman, the infielder. I don't know if you guys watched the last Out of the World series, but I happened to watch it. I mean, it's a, you know, I'm a sports guy, so you watch the end of a world championship. And when the Nationals won, which apparently they were like 19 and 31 in the regular season, like at the beginning, like, like almost in the basement of their division. And Zimmerman just throws his hands up, looks up at the sky, looks at his teammate and just goes, holy shit. Like they were genuinely like little kids extremely happy to um to be there and to do it and to just play their hearts out they just couldn't believe it and uh, it was like watching a bunch of little league kids so I enjoyed it so congratulations to the Washington Nationals shout out to my buddy Josh Adam Myers who loves 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 the Washington Nationals and uh Josh was hysterical crying when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup like he looked like it, it was so I was just texting him last night um and, you know, when you have a friend that loves, like, I have friends that don't like the Knicks, but they want the Knicks to win just to see what I'm going to, what, what my reaction is going to be if the, if and, uh, if and when folks, if and when they win, but, uh, they're one and four. So it's not looking great. Guys, I got to talk about a movie, do a movie review on this. Um, and also I did get somebody wrote in, so I wanted to address it, uh, because people keep asking me, um, yes. Uh, the podcast with me and Burt Kreischer is coming out. Burt Kreischer's podcast uh, with me as a guest is coming out. People were reaching out going, what's going on with that? Is everything cool with you? Yes, everything is completely cool with um, me and Burt. Burt's great, and um, we're going to even do another podcast. But, um, yes, the, I guess, you know, sometimes podcasts gets backlogged and all that stuff. But, yes, we are going to do um, a podcast that you're, that you're going to get that release, so that's going to come out. So thank you for your concerns. No, everything is cool, and that will be coming out as well. Guys, what can I say? The king is back. The king is back, and when I say the king is back, there is one man who is Mr. Show Business. There is one man who is better than everybody. There is one man who is the most talented person of the last 40 years in this business. I believe that. I said it. I cannot. He's my hero. Uh, when he talks in an interview, I can't take my eyes off of him. When he's on the screen, I can't take my eyes off of him um, because he's that good. He's that good. He's that. He's just cold-blooded. Uh, if you guys know me, you already know who I'm talking about. But he's he's the reason I do this. And that, that person, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the king, Eddie Murphy. 
Eddie Murphy um, is doing right now. I believe he's doing um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. But my uh, Dolomite is my name is out on Netflix right now. I did not know much about Dolomite. I heard about it in the past. I heard that it was like a funny, you know, character, like almost like a goofy shaft or all kinds of stuff like that. But I really didn't know. And everybody who knows that I love Eddie Murphy hit me up and was like, did you see Dolomite? Did you see Dolomite? And finally the other night I was didn't feel like laying in bed, you know, doing all this recovery shit. I was like, you know, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to sit up and watch a movie. And I watched it and I was absolutely blown away by how amazing Eddie Murphy is. Um, I know it sounds nuts and I don't mean to sound like such a fan, but like boy about somebody, but you got to understand this guy, like at 10 years old, I was mesmerized by this guy, you know, and it's like in the movies when you watch somebody as a little kid go, I want to do that. And like, that's really what it was for me. And I, I could never, I could never, um, what's it called? Not to get heavy here, but regardless of a relationship that I would ever have with my father, the fact that at 10 years old, he took me to see Eddie Murphy Raw in a movie theater, which changed me forever, is something that no matter what my relationship is with him, I will always be forever grateful that he did that. And he did it against my mother's wishes, and he did it against my grandmother's wishes. Uh, his mother, by the way, my grandmother, rest her soul. Um, and he took me, and I just, and he also took me to see Roddy Dangerfield in um, Radio City Music Hall with my brother in nineteen. I, I want to say nineteen eighty six. It was around back to school time, and I don't know how they allowed me in there. I remember, I remember vaguely. I'm um, sitting on my father's lap in the in the balcony. I fell asleep halfway through. I was I was I was what was I eight years old, and I remember. And if my memory serves me correctly, Bob Nelson opened up for him. If you don't know who Bob Nelson is, look up Bob Nelson. You remember he had that football um, bit. But Bob Nelson opened up for him, and Eddie. I mean, and uh, Rodney came out. My father took me to that. I remember where we were when they got tickets. They got tickets at Ticketmaster from a payphone at Nathan's in Yonkers, New York. And my brother was on the phone, and 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 he, they ordered the tickets, and in the early '80s. And I went to that. And in, in 1987, he took me to see Raw, and I was just locked in. And Eddie's been my guy ever since. And I was watching him, and I'm going, this guy can take 20 years off. This guy can just take decades off. And you watch it, and you're like, this is an Academy Award-winning performance. You watch him sit on the couch on a late night to promote something, and he'll go into an impression for two seconds and do it half-assed, and it's better than any impression you ever heard. Make no mistake about this statement. I said it once. I'll say it again. It's like Babe Ruth. There is Eddie Murphy and then there is everybody else. Make no mistake. Okay? Anytime you ever think you have talent. Anytime I th I'll just look at that guy. That guy is special. And uh, it was awesome that he's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live in December. And he's going to be out there doing stand-up again to do another special. So all this stuff is fantastic. Um, Dolomite was hilarious, but the acting was so good and just Eddie Murphy being a goofy character and it's just like the best. And now he's doing Beverly Hills Cop 4, which you know, it's going to be good. Like anything that Eddie does serious or like comedy is good. Except, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about like Dr. Doolittle 
and like Pluto Nash and stuff like that. He definitely went through a phase where he was doing kids movies and stuff like that, you know. And I'm not saying that they're bad, but like I'm not going to watch Doctor... I mean, actually, you know what's funny is I did watch Doctor Doolittle, I think. And I did watch the... the what is it called? The Clumps. I watched that. The, the What's it called? The Nutty Professor. I watched all that. If Eddie's in it, I pretty much watch it. But Dolomite was fantastic. You don't need to know about it. You don't need to just watch it because it's... It's a true story about what Rudy Ray Moore, a comedian who was like filthy and did everything himself underground. His his albums were so filthy, so he did that he just sold them out of his car. He got like a cult following, and then he put up his own money, got a team of people, made his own movie. Didn't do well at first, but then it got a cult following, and then it exploded. And then he did his own movies, and he ended up grossing like I guess over ten million dollars just by himself, just by just having a team of people that believed in him, friends, they put it all together, they did it, and they created this Dolomite character, or he created it, and then they made all this all this money on movies and stuff. So there, that gets the Verzi effect two thumbs up 100% for that, okay? Um, I would definitely see Dolomite. I'm trying to see, was there another one that I saw? No, that was it. That was all that I saw. Um, but... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm trying. I have not tr- had not had a drink since actually that amazing wedding by the Rose Gardens. Um, and then yeah, and then I just you know went into a hospital and dealt with this nightmare for a little bit. But my fear is that I'm gonna not be able to breathe good out of my right nostril now. <laughs> How fucked up would that be if they? Because I swear to God, my left nostril like is. I mean, I could I could smell what you're cooking in another state right now. I'm like a bloodhound on that side. But, you know, and here's how, like, nuts and Sicilian I am. I'm not even kidding. This is how nuts I am. When I went for him to look at it, and I go, how's it going? He goes, it looks great. It looks great. And I'm like, yeah, because the right one, though, the right one seems a little... And he was, like, quiet. And I'm going, he knows. He fucking knows. He messed up the right nostril. He knows. So he's being quiet, and he hopes it gets fixed. Like, that's how nuts I am that a doctor, a professional doctor who went to school forever for this, I'm acting like he's going, all right, we're just going to hide the fact that the right nostril's wrong. So I keep telling my wife, I hope I hope it gets better. I hope it gets better. She's like, Paul, you have to be patient. You know, because the healing process, they do say, is like one to two months for like everything to like heal, heal. You know, but you heard stories about people getting this done and it doesn't work. So I'm not good with that. I can't put myself through that and then... Someone's got to pay. You know what I mean? That's the Sicilian in me. Somebody's got to pay. I'll clog the doctor's nose. You think I give a fuck? I'll be... <laughs> guys, I'm feel, I am feel goofy today. I don't know what to tell you. You guys are listening to episode um, 422. And um, this is the Verzi effect on Halloween, everybody. And no, I'm not dressing up as anything. I was gonna, but I'm just gonna dress up as somebody recovering from surgery. So I can just put on sweatpants and something comfortable. Um, and the biggest challenge for me tonight is not eating my children's candy. That's the biggest challenge because I have an addiction with gummy bears and starbursts and I'm doing really good. The nice thing about the recovery is I lost about eight pounds since I went into uh, surgery. So yeah, you ever want to lose weight? Here's a diet for you. Go get a septoplasty where you get your eating. I literally had to eat a- applesauce, jello. Uh, you know, I was eating, I had like a... <laughs> <laughs> like a 95-year-old man in a Holmes diet for uh, two weeks. And it works. It works. Um, I was constipated for almost a week, which sucked. Um, you know, so they were just like, I was just on it. You should have saw the, the, 
the cabinet that we had. I had like a like a lactate, you know, Miralax. I had fuck. I had you know, oxycotton. I had all this shit that they were giving me, man. Antibiotics, ibuprofens. You know, then I there's a rinse that you get this big thing and you got to put one side of it in your nostril, turn your head, squeeze it, and it flies out of the other nostril. Then you got to tilt your head. It's called like a a, a a rinse with like the saline. I mean, it's been a, yeah, it's been a nightmare. It's been a fucking nightmare, guys. I don't know how else to say it. Would I go back and do it? I don't know. Is breathing worth it? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know if it's if breathing is worth it. But the nice thing was I was distracted by the news. I was distracted by everything going on. I saw that. Um, oh, by the way, guys. So you know that I don't really get into the politics stuff. And I really don't like to get into. I don't like to get into. Well, you know, Obama would have done this. And this guy would have done this. But Trump is this. And he's the worst. And he's racist. And he's just like, I don't get into that, right? You guys know that I don't talk politics on here. And I haven't talked politics, even a comment about it on my social media for over two years, which has been nothing but fantastic, peaceful, everything like that, right? But my wife said, did you see the mashup Jimmy Kimmel did on, um, like it was Obama coming out for eight minutes saying that they killed Osama bin Laden. And then it was uh, (laughs) Trump, Trump. Trump coming out saying that they got that Baha, Echma, Balala, whatever. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't know his, I don't, I don't, I can't even attempt. It was like Abada something, you know, uh, Yabba Dabba do. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not going to try to attempt it because I don't, you know, I'm not trying to offend anybody, whatever. But they did a mashup of how Trump, um, and, and how Trump did it and how Obama did it. And at first, I almost rolled my eyes like, really, I don't want to get into this whole who's right, who's wrong. I don't like to do that, but it had me crying because it was... Um, actually, you know what? I think I can play it for you right here on the show. I'll be my own producer. I think I can do it. I, th- I think I can do it. Uh, I probably can't, but it was basically the difference of how... Um, uh, Obama talked about killing bin Laden versus Trump killing this ISIS guy. And, oh my God, I got to try to play it for you. And I hope it comes across okay here. All right, let me see here. Uh, (laughs) Trump mashup. Oh my God, is this funny? And it's a kind of exactly... Oh, here it is. Kimmel shares clip contrasting Obama's announcement of bin Laden's death with Trump's. You guys got to hear this. Hold on. I'm going to get this on. This is not a political thing, guys, because I really don't like this and I don't normally do this. But my wife is like, no, Paul, you have to see it. And it kind of goes along with my Trump joke on my special. I'll say this streaming now on Comedy Central, by the way. But this is seriously hysterical and why Trump makes me laugh. Um, No, come on. We're... I'm sorry, guys. Hold on. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Uh, mashup. Why? See, this is why you need a producer. But you know what? I've been... Okay, yeah. This this is it. This is it. Oh, this is the best. By the way, when Obama went on TV, 
to announce that they well, checked this out. And he spoke for nine and a half minutes. Trump yesterday did and, 40. And this is real, by the way. And for further comparison, we thought it might be fun to match up Trump's speech about al Baghdadi with Obama about bin Laden. And we were right, it was. The United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Abu Bakar al Baghdadi is dead. The United States launched a targeted operation against that compound. They did a lot of shooting and they did a lot of blasting. Even not going through the front door, you know, you think you go through the door. If you're a normal person, you say, knock, knock, may I come in? After a firefight, they killed Osama bin Laden and took custody of his body. He died like a dog. But his death does not mark the end of our effort. A beautiful dog. We give thanks for the men who carried out this operation. And I don't get any credit for this, but that's okay. I never do. And here we are. May God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. And I'm writing a book. <laughs> oh my God, dude, listen. Political or not, that is that is so fucking funny to me. He goes, uh, they confirmed him dead and we took custody of the body. And then Trump just goes, he died like a dog, a beautiful dog. He died. I mean, like, oh, my God. And then he said he's writing a book. That's why, like this guy or not, you will miss him because you will never see some shit like this again. Okay? You will never see. So, listen, you could say all the things you want to say. Oh, we should have a real politician in there. And we're going to have the same. We should have the same old thing we've had. No, no, no. You are going to miss a guy like this going, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book, he says. I mean, this, it's, it's, this is a gift. This is a, this is a gift, what this man is giving. You know, and I'd be honest with you, like, I don't hate any U.S. president. I'm just, I just have that Sicilian loyalty where I'm like, well, I just hear, you know, it's kind of like that uncle that everybody hates. I'm like, well, you know, he might mean well. I just have that about every president. I just can't hate I can't hate a United States president. I don't know why. I just can't. I just can't hate. If you, if you're the, I love America, so whatever. But the shit that this guy spews out is, I mean, to say that he died like a dog at a conf, I mean, it's, it's really funny to see the contrast of it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that because that made me, it made me laugh even again. Um, I hope it sounded good on the thing. I'm not a producer, but uh, I will definitely check before this, um, before this uh, comes out, but I don't, I don't, guys, you know me, I don't listen to the, you know, I don't listen to the, the, the news and, and report on stuff like that, but stuff like that is super, super funny. I was going to think, I was thinking about this and, um, I was going to save it for another podcast, but I want you guys to write in on this cause I have a question for the next, for the next podcast. I have a question. So I want you to write in and I'm serious about this one. Who are the best and, and write into um, not just your unacceptables. You could write in, obviously, always write in your unacceptables um, to uh, unacceptables uh, for TVE, unacceptables for TVE at gmail.com. But who was the best movie villains of all time? Okay. Me, I think the best movie villain of all time is probably Darth Vader, only because of how iconic it is how it represented bad, but also can be good later. Um, I, I feel like the way the movie, 
made him show up like when he would either get off the the spacecraft or when he or whether he would be looking out the window and people were just walking on eggshells around him and you knew if you fucked up he would just choke you with his mind which is the most gangster thing ever could you imagine if my wife had the power to choke me with her mind when she was angry with me i would have been dead i would <laughs> i would have been dead 15 years ago um but there's some really good ones. There were some good ones. There were some horror movie ones that are really good. Michael Myers was, I mean, I don't know about Bettville, but there's been some good villains. The You know, Heath Ledger as the Joker was a great movie villain, man. I mean, that's the Oscar winner, Oscar winner for that role. But there's a lot. And I know that there's people listening to the podcast that are different age groups. You know, but the nice thing is like Darth Vader, even my son and daughter know. That's why I, I think pound for pound, Darth Vader might be the Jordan of movie villains. But let me know, you know, is Kaiser Sose a movie villain from The Usual Suspects? Because that's legendary. If he, I don't know. Is he the, is, you know, I guess he, I guess you'd have to say that he is a villain. That's another good one. So write, write to me and write to the show what you guys think best movie villain um, in your lifetime, whatever you saw. Listen, even if it's a Western, you know, some, Billy the Kid, there, uh, Billy the Kid was a great, was, but is he considered a villain? I don't know. But if there's, if there's someone that you got, if there's something that you know, um, and don't be like, you know, Thanos from the Avengers. Not, I, I mean more of like real movie type you know, it could be a mafia guy. It could be, it, it could be, it could be, um, you know, could, I already talked about the, uh, the Irishman and I saw a great interview by the way with, um, Scorsese, Pacino and De Niro, which is really good. You guys got to catch that too. But so write that into the show if you guys have any, you know, but Vader to me was just like, I'm going to tell you one that might be on the list. And I think I spoke about this very, very early in the show, probably in the first hundred episodes of this show. To this day, and it's very weird considering that I'm a grown man with two children. To this day, the scariest figure to me was the witch in the Wizard of Oz. That shit freaked me out to the point where to this day, if I see it, I get freaked out by it because of how good and evil she was. That rivals, and Wizard of Oz, some, some would say Wizard of Oz is more iconic than Star Wars, okay? Um, I know it's much older, it's a different generation, but Wizard of Oz still kind of lives on, right? They got Wicked on Broadway, they're, they're always playing the movie. Um, that character, when she would come and scream and laugh and fly and do all that stuff, I get weirded out. Dude, I was like a 13-year-old boy in my grandmother's like patio like she had like this closed in patio with this little tv we would watch and i remember watching that and even at like 13 i'd be like uh can we watch something else she freaked me out that's a good one that's a good one so i say okay male villain vader female villain the witch and the wizard of oz F tell me two better ones and let's discuss it on the podcast that's what we do here on the podcast tve um, this is episode 422. Guys, um, I have to, I have to, uh, plug these dates, which I'm going to be doing. And, um, 
get out of here, uh, get out of here today because it's Halloween and my kids are getting off the bus uh, very, very shortly. So I will be, and you can see, uh, you can see this all over my social media as well if you're there on my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I will be at the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia, November 14th through the 16th. I will be at the Improv in Houston, Texas, November 21st through the 23rd. I will be at the Addison Improv, Dallas area, uh, Addison Improv, November 29th through December 1st. And I will be in San Antonio, Texas at the LOL Comedy Club in San Antonio, December 6th through the 8th. So come out to those shows, guys. The new hour is going fantastic. I'm having a great time doing this hour. Got some new jokes I'm adding to it. And uh, hopefully by then I will be back healthier than ever, better than ever. And um, got some announcements. Going to uh, make an announcement on my Patreon today and uh, some other podcast stuff coming soon. So thank you guys for listening. This has been for. Um, 22. Check out Dolomite. Think of the best movie um, villains. Have a happy Halloween, everybody. Be safe out there tonight, uh, trick-or-treating with your kids. I wish you all the best. Until next time, I am out of here. Take care.